you for your patience with that. And, you know, Aaron's not here this morning. He's a blessing to us. He's so talented. Um, not feeling well today, so let's keep him in our prayer. want to welcome you out. And, um, man, thank you, praise team, for that amazing time in worship. Thank you, Bob. Welcome back, Bob. Uh, Bob is in the back. Bob and Kelly back fresh from Florida, looking very nice and tan, right? So uh, Bob survived Fred. I think that's funny, right? <laughs> no, so Fred brought lots of rain and storms and stuff like that. I know we experienced some of that here. Uh, actually, in North Carolina, in Canton, North Carolina, there was lots of flooding. And so just like in our region a couple of years ago, you know, when we were affected by floods, uh, you know, at the Virginia Baptist Association got together and helped out our community, there's an opportunity for uh, us to help in Canton, North Carolina as well this week. So I don't know if that's something that, wow, you just have one of those moments that where you got some free time this week and and you can go down as close to Asheville or Asheville, you know, depending on how you say it. So, you know, not, not too far away. You know, you can go down there and help out and, and come back, but uh, there's lots of homes and places down there that uh, people need some help with the cleanup. So, and what a, what a great opportunity for uh, us to be the hands and feet of, of Christ. So uh, if that's something that you would be interested in doing, just speak with me after the service, and I'll get you in touch with the right people. Uh, by the way, Riley, happy birthday. Let's, let's give Riley a hand there. So I'll try do, to do this holding a mic, not... Um, not my preferred way to do it because I feel like I need to use my hands to say words. <laughs> um, but we're in a series called Nehemiah, uh, Rise and Build, and Nehemiah is an Old Testament book. Uh, and we're talking a lot about Nehemiah, but we're also talking about Ezra as well. And these books, actually there's a collection of books that are together. And if you get a chance, you know, you can look through those books glance through them, they all sort of fit together. Actually, Esther, uh, chronologically, goes between Ezra and Nehemiah. Okay, so all that takes place during the same time frame, the same time span. There's some prophets in there, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, and Daniel, that, that fit into this whole uh, era of what God is doing on the earth at that time. So it's neat the way, neat the way that you can sort of step back and, and look at God's plan. And that's what we talked about last week was ultimately God has a plan. He has a plan. And, you know, the people of God were in captivity for a long time, for 70 years. And, man, just think about the season that that was, the thoughts that were going through their minds, the, the, the emotions that they felt, and how good is it for us to know that through the seasons in our life where we felt like, man, what's going on, or we're, we're down, or we're depressed, or we're sad, or we feel like we're going through difficult times, Hey, God has a plan, and God will work out good for those who love him. So it starts with understanding that this world is not out of control. This world is not, uh, you know, falling apart, so to speak. You know, the Lord has a plan. He is in control. He is sovereign. And so I feel like we need to put our eyes upon him and our focus upon him. And so we talked about with this plan, you know, when you build a home, you don't build it 
without a plan. And then the next important thing, most important thing, is the foundation. You know, what you build everything else upon. And last week we started with part of that foundation is a passion. It's having a passion for the Lord. And, and I don't know about you, but every now and then I need to be reminded of who's most important. Right? Hey, this world is not about Zach. You know, this world is not about my, my life and my interest and my plans. No, this world is about God and his plans. And that's not me saying that in a sad way or a mad way or I can't believe it way, but it's saying it in a, in a joyful way, in a praiseworthy way that, man, the God of the universe loves me, cares for me, wants to be involved in my life and wants me to be involved with him. You know, and, and he would send his son to die for me. That, that, you know, I have a passion for the Lord. And it's, it starts with that. You want God to begin moving in your life. Maybe put your focus upon him. Put your heart upon him. And that's where it all starts. But there's more to the foundation, right? I mean, there's some, there's some brick, maybe some block, but definitely some mortar and stuff like that. There's some different ingredients. And today I want to talk about two of those things. Um, have you ever tried to do something or make something only to find out that you were missing something very important? Don't you hate when that happens? Right? Okay, so I went fishing the other day, and, uh, you know, since we've been at this new place, we've fished a lot. We're not, we're not fishermen or people or whatever. We're just recreational. We, we like to recreational fish, okay? We just like doing it. And so I spent more time fixing my kids' lines and rods than I have fishing on my own. Okay. So I finally get around to fish. Okay. And so I, I cast, I, I mean, I'm ready. I, you know, I've got my, my best lure on there, and I'm ready just to sling it, you know, as far as I can sling it and as hard as I can sling it. And so I, I do it, and it goes 10 feet. Kaboom. What? And I look, and that's all the line I had. Ten feet of line. Literally, my face got wet because of the splash. Like that's how close it was. Um, I had been so busy, you know, putting line here on my kids' stuff. You know, I failed to realize that I used all the line, and I had no extra line in the tackle. Now that's a major mistake, isn't it, fisherman? Right. Go ahead and make fun of me. You know what I did? I did what every good fisherman would do. No. <laughs> Fish with a kid's rod? Hey, I fished with a 10-foot line. <laughs> I pressed on. This isn't going to stop me. You know, how many fish I caught? None. Right. Man. <laughs> it gave me something to look forward to. There's always another day, isn't there, Ralph? Um, all right, so I got one more for you. My wife doesn't know this. I was kind of embarrassed until now. Still embarrassed, but this happened a long time ago, so you cannot hold this against me. Um, I, I wanted some cornbread. Y'all like cornbread? Come on now. We're in the southwest Virginia cornbread, yeah. Uh, iron skillet cornbread. So, like, the first time, this has been a long time ago. Like, I don't know how many kids ago for me, but a couple at least. 
uh, I wanted to make some cornbread. And so, you know, I'm, I'm looking up the recipe and stuff like that. And I'm like doing all this and I start putting it together. And I realize that I don't have any eggs. And so I'm like, how important is an egg? You know, um, So, look, here, here's the way I, I try to problem solve. Um, rather than going on without the egg, I'm like, well, what could be a suitable replacement? Like, what's the purpose of the egg? I didn't really know. And so I started thinking about um, texture and consistency. And you know how an egg's pretty gross? Sort of like between liquid and solid. It's just sort of stuck in this middle weird gelatinous place, right? Um thinking that's probably it, right? It's the consistency. So I look into the fridge and find something close, uh, yogurt. I'm like, yeah, that's creamy, similar consistency, a little bit close. So, you know, I substitute some yogurt, just some spoonfuls of yogurt in there and, and good to go. And man, that was the best cornbread pudding I've ever had. <laughs> Don't you hate it when that happens? You know, I mean, today I feel like for, for many people, maybe for you, you could be missing something that's that important, that's just going to make the difference between good or great or even good or bad. And these two things are so important we're going to talk about today. It's prayer and praise. Prayer and praise. These are, these are part of the foundation. So last week we talked about passion. Today it's prayer and praise. I want to share this with you, this statement here. It's true. God will build and bless when my life is genuinely dedicated to prayer and praise. Okay? You want God to be involved in your life. You want God to work. You want God to move. You want God to heal. You want God to show up in, in ways that only he can in your life. Well, look, you build your life upon this. God will build and God will bless when you and your life are genuinely, that's what I mean, really dedicated to prayer and praise. Not just superficial. Not just something that you go through, right? but a genuine dedication to prayer and praise. Okay? When, we, when I read through Nehemiah and when I look at Ezra, these things are crystal clear that they were focused and they were um, devoted and dedicated to these things right here. Right, It started with a passion, and th then these things sort of just stood out to me. I want to talk to you about prayer first. Now, prayer, we all know what that means, but do we really Prayer at its simplest form, in its simplest form is communication, communicating with God. But you know, I can communicate with a lot of things, right? I can communicate with our cats, you know? They, they, they know what I'm saying when I go kitty, kitty, kitty. <laughs> uh, need to communicate a little bit deeper when it comes to God. You see, one thing that the Bible is clear to you and me about, and one thing that the gospel means that we need to really get, is that God desires a personal, 
and genuine relationship with you, right? Not just, you know, superficial words or actions. Genuine, real relationship. How do you view prayer? And if you survey America, you'll, it'll be all over the place, right? How do you view prayer? Is prayer important to you? You know, I want to talk to you first. We're going to look at Ezra. And Ezra, I mentioned to you last week, this guy was born in Babylon. So imagine that. Here he is, you know, his, his family, his parents were, were deported, were, were taken captive from Israel and into Babylon. And, and, and he was born in Babylon, really had no idea about Israel, about God. He, he was brought up in that. And he was really, a lot of his stuff, a lot of his knowledge and stuff like that was self-taught, and it was his passion for the Lord. We talked about that last week. But he learned early on the significance and the importance of prayer. Ezra 8.21, he says this, There, by the Ahava Canal, I proclaimed a fast so that we might humble ourselves before God and ask Him for a safe journey for us and our children with all our Possessions. Now, first and foremost, we can learn a couple of things out of this, but first about prayer is, look, here's why it's important. It shows humility. It does. It shows humility. Humility is, is the opposite of, of pride. It's, it's the opposite of thinking that you could do anything and everything, and you know anything and everything. It really shows that, hey, God, you can do anything and everything, and you know anything and everything, God, and I'm going to talk to you about this, and I'm going to trust you with this. That's what prayer does. It makes God a whole lot bigger and you a whole lot smaller, and it works out a whole lot better for you when you do that. Ezra knew that, and, and, it, and it shows dependence upon God, and in this, he proclaimed a, a fast, and he spent time, you know, pulling away from, from food and really just pouring his life and his heart out to God. In that, and how many of you might need to do that now? I'm not trying to get all churchy and fancy with you, but man, if you got something going on in your life that you're facing, that you're scared of, that you're not sure about, maybe you could fast. Maybe you could take a day. You'll be okay. Maybe you take a, a few days. And you, you just give your heart and pour your heart to God. You, you humble yourselves and you're just, you're putting all your eggs. Why well, I'm talking so much about eggs today. You're putting all your eggs in God's basket. And he can carry a lot of eggs, right? Second thing that stands out to me with this, Ezra was getting ready to make his journey. Okay, this, this, is, bef this is before... He went back to Jerusalem. So do you get that? There's this big task laying in front of him. There's this big thing that, that he's really not sure about. There's this area that he's never even been to. His heart was there. Physically, he'd never been there. And what is he doing? He's sort of just kind of giving it over to God, isn't he? He's praying. He's, he's fasting. And look, he's like, God, I need this but I want this for my whole family. I want this for everybody that's coming with me. You know, I'm so guilty of this. Prayer needs to be our first response, not a last resort. 
Man, how many times have you waited and waited and waited and then you got to the end to your desperation or you're in trouble and then you start praying? Man, we need to do that too, but we need to understand something that you are missing and maybe, and definitely I'm missing a lot of times is that prayer needs to be in the beginning. Start, start off that way. Don't wait until you get caught up. Don't wait until you get in a snare. Don't wait till you get in trouble. You started off with prayer. You need to pray first and you need to pray often. Nehemiah was also a man of prayer. There, there are 12 prayers, like big prayers, mentioned in Nehemiah. And he says this, Nehemiah 1.4. We looked at this verse last week, but I want to look at it again. When I heard these things, remember Nehemiah was a cupbearer to the king. He was the king's butler, the Persian king. He was his butler. But he also had a heart for Jerusalem, a heart for God's kingdom. And so Ezra had already been back in Israel by the time we start reading about Nehemiah. And so the rebuilding had started and stuff like that. And so Nehemiah is asking, how's it going? He's trying to find out. And they said, well, they're running into some trouble. There, there's some walls that are crumbling, that are not being built, and there's some gates that are burning and it says this, when I heard these things, I sat down and I wept. Okay, we looked at that last week. That's where his passion was. He was just gripped in a place of comfort and, you know, he had a good job, good retirement, didn't, didn't have a worry in the world. His heart was somewhere else. But notice what he did next. For some days, I mourned and fasted and prayed for the God of heaven. Does that sound familiar? We just read that in a different book with a different person years and years and years before with Ezra. Problem, what did he do? Mourn, fasted, prayed. It says there for some days. Some days. Anybody spend prayer like that, time in prayer like that? Like you're 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 devoting not a minute, you know, not five minutes, but you're devoting some days to, to, to prayer. Is that you? Notice notice this prayer here, Nehemiah one six. Let your ear be attentive and your eyes open to hear the prayer your servant is praying before you day and night for your servants, the people of Israel. Anybody pray like that? Like it's day and night. You know, I mean, honestly, guys and gals, I don't. I struggle with that. I'm like, okay, here comes a prayer request, and I'll pray, yeah, or whatever. Or if I got something going on in my life, you know, I'll pray. But, but this, we're reading this together, right? This, we're reading the, the same Bible, right? What's it telling us? How devoted, genuinely dedicated are we to prayer? This rattled me, and Chad and I were talking, and this this rattled both of us. You know, Nehemiah was dedicated to prayer. If you have your Bibles, you can look at the beginning of chapter 1. This isn't on the screen, but it opens up this way. It says, in the month of Kislev. Kislev, weird word. Um, Different calendar than what we use, but the month of of Kislev is November, December, our, our time. 
Kislev is when Nehemiah got the news. All right, he got the news that this place is Jerusalem is it's not looking good, like they're struggling a little bit here, and it broke his heart. Kislev, November, December. All right. The beginning of chapter two starts with in the month of Nisan. Not a car manufacturer, right? Another weird name for a month, but that it's March and April for us. March, April. Okay. So I know you can go easily from chapter one to chapter two and bam, you're like, oh, this happened next day. No, this is this is four months later. Okay, four months later, he prayed about this specific thing for four months, folks. Four months. What does that tell us? Man, prayer is important. You need to give it the time that it deserves. But it also tells us this. And we need to wait on God, don't we? We need to wait. Sometimes we need to wait on God to, to respond. We need to give God an it's not like he needs the time, but he, he knows what's best for you. He knows what's best for me. And sometimes we get anxious. Like we'll pray and we'll just be like, okay, God, you've had enough time. I'm ready to go. I'm, I'm just going to go ahead and do this. And Nehemiah gave God all the time that he needed until he felt clarity, until he had wisdom, until he had a vision, until he had strength and power and courage. And then he... He stepped into that. Then God answered his prayer, and Nehemiah stepped forward. And we also read this last week, Nehemiah 2, 4. So after four months of prayer, when his heart was on a certain topic, when his passion was in a certain place, right? He prayed. He spent four months in prayer. And then, look, the king said to me, what is it you want? Then I prayed to the God of heaven. Hey, I prayed for four months. I might as well just pray real quick again, right? Then I prayed to the God of heaven. And I answered the king, if it pleases the king, and if your servant has found favor in his sight, let him send me to the city in Judah where my ancestors are, bur are, are buried so that I can rebuild it. Do you see the clarity in that? Do you see the purpose and the power and the boldness to go before a king? Hey, what is it you want, Nehemiah? You're, you're, you're the most important person to me. What is it you want? Well, I want to go here and do something for person that I'm devoted to more than you, right? Pretty bold. He was ready. Why was he ready? He spent four months in prayer. Man, he waited. He, he had a passion, okay? He was passionate about something. He gave his passion over to God, and he waited. He waited. Man, I know we are some passionate people, passionate about a lot of things. And, and a lot of things were... Passionate about our good things. How many times have you submitted your passion to God? Here's what most of us do when we're passionate. We immediately respond and we just skip God. Don't we? We were quick to respond, quick to react, quick to do something, quick to say something, quick to make a decision. It's okay to have the passion, but God needs to be involved. Do you bathe your passion in prayer? You know what I see from Nehemiah? That's what he did. For some days he prayed, day and night he prayed, four months he prayed, and then this, he's ready. He's ready. 
prayer purifies your passion. That's what, that's what the Bible teaches us. A lot of times our passion can, can seem good, but maybe not really what God wants for you. I mean, what prayer does is it purifies it. Gets all the impurities out of it. Gets all the selfishness and pride and greed out of it. And turns it into what God's, God's plan. Prayer gives you clarity. It gives you direction. And look, it gives you power. Anybody want some of God's power in their life? I know I do. I need it. First Chronicles 16, 11. Seek the Lord in his strength. Right? His strength. What gets you by the day, through the day? His strength. What gets you through the week? His strength. What gets you through the trial and the tribulation? His strength. Hey, my strength only goes so far. Right? His strength will get you through. Prayer gives you that. It puts you in the presence of God, and with God's presence comes God's strength. Look, Jesus made a way for all of us, all of us, to go to God in prayer. Direct line, right? No more, no more temple, no more high priest. Scripture tells us Jesus is the high priest. The veil has been torn into two. And if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, you have direct access to the throne room of God. Right now. Right now. Are you doing that? Hebrews 4.16, I love this translation of this. So let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There, there we will receive, notice it's there. You're like, some of you may be here trying to do it, trying to figure it out, trying to deal with it on your own. It's, don't do that here. Go there. There we will receive his mercy and we will find grace to help us when we need it most. Man, isn't that good? Be bold. Don't be afraid. Jesus made it possible for you to go to God in prayer, in confidence, in boldness. Scripture tells us to, to let your request be made known before God. Whatever it is you're dealing with, man, God is gracious. He wants you to come to Him. So that's prayer. Nehemiah and Ezra, what we see is they built their life on prayer, but also praise. Now, in the Bible, prayer and praise are connected. They're never, ever separated. And Jesus modeled that when he taught his disciples how to pray, right? Our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. You know, he, it's how he started his prayer off was with praise. They are always, always connected. And you know what? God is worthy of praise. He is worthy of praise. The world was created for his glory. You and I were created to be in a relationship with him, but also to praise him and to glorify him. He's, he's worthy. No, nobody else is worthy of that type of praise. Nothing in, in this world, in this life, no person is worthy of that type of praise, but God alone. Just like prayer, here's, what, here's how they go together. Prayer humbles you, 
Okay, we talked about that. Prayer humbles you. Praise honors God. That's how it works. So with, with prayer, you're sort of going down. Praise, you're, you know, you're lifting up. They, they, they work together. Praise shows God value. And we all need to do that. Now, Zerubbabel is a guy that's not very much mentioned, but he's mentioned in the book of Ezra. And so just like there were three deportations from Jerusalem, there, there were three returns from Babylon. So Zerubbabel was part of the first wave. Okay, He, he came back first, then Ezra, and then Nehemiah. And so Ezra writes about Zerubbabel's return in chapter 3. But what they did first, like what, what do you think they would do first when they got there? Well, they did praise, but I mean, you know, they didn't get to work. Oh, this is terrible. Let's start doing this. Let's start doing that. Or, you know, they didn't get together and like throw a big party or whatever. They worshiped. I want to show you this. On the first day of the seventh month, they began to offer burnt sacrifices or burnt offerings to the Lord. Notice this. Though the foundation of the Lord's temple had not yet been laid. Wow. And that got me right there. Because Zach would have been focused on the foundation of the temple. Right? Hey, it's it's the Lord, it's for the Lord. I'm working, I'm doing this for the Lord. I'm going to start building, I'm, I'm going to get to work. That's the way my mind would have, right? What they do first. Before anything began, they offered burnt offerings. They offered praise. They worshiped. And so that was Zerubbabel. Then we get to Ezra. In 727, again, this is before he went to Jerusalem. He says this, Praise be to the Lord, the God of our ancestors, who has put it in the king's heart to bring honor to the house of the Lord in Jerusalem in this way. So he's there in Babylon, and he's got his heart and his mind set to Jerusalem. And what does he do? He's praising. He's praising. Is that how... You see prayer, praise. Is, that, is, is praising how you begin your day? I mean, I know we come together on Sunday mornings and that's how we start our worship and our services here and there's a reason for that. But for you personally, individually, how do you start? Yeah, I... Um, First day of school, you know, I was taking Callie Noah to school, and we were listening to some worship worship music. And um, you know, I don't normally, I'm not very like a, a like an emotional type person, um, but sometimes, you know, I, I get to where I move around a little bit, you know, raise my hand or whatever. And it was one of those times, and I hadn't done this in forever. Um, you know, so we were listening to some worship music, and the view was just amazing. I just kind of lifted my hand up. And the kids were like, what are you doing? You know what I got to, I got to tell them? Right. I could say, look, you know, I'm lifting my hand to God. Yeah, I don't know. That's just what, kind of what my heart, what my heart felt. 
was like, turn to God. And, and, and that's what praise, praise does. And how often do you, do you do that? And I'm not talking about listening to Christian music and raising your hand. I'm just talking about your heart is just in that moment where you're focused on him and not you. It's him. And everything else just sort of goes behind you and he's just, he's all in front of you. That's all you see. That's all you're just focused on in that, in that, in that moment. And praising God puts things where they need to be. It's, it's sort of for that, for that moment or however long you're doing it, it puts the world to right. It puts your life in the right place. I love Nehemiah in this. And he, he was a, he, he praised too, but he was more of a, he was a leader type person, okay? And he got people involved and he was a motivator to the point where he would inspire you, but then he would tell you what to do, okay? But he was that type of person that would inspire you, but sometimes he might rub you the wrong way. And look at what he says in, in chapter 9, Nehemiah chapter 9, verse 5. Stand up, hey, stand up and praise the Lord your God. He was one of those guys that just needed to, to step into this time, to this season in their life, and remind them who the world and their life was all about. Stand up and praise the Lord your God, who is from everlasting to everlasting. Blessed be your glorious name, and may it be exalted above all blessing and praise. You alone, verse 6, you alone are Lord. You made the heavens, even the highest heavens, and all their starry hosts, the earth and all that is on it, the seas and all that is in them. You give life to everything, and the multitudes of heaven worship you. How good is that? Man, we see the significance of what these guys did in the rebuilding of the city and of the temple tell you, it all points back to the significance of what they did before. And they were genuinely dedicated to prayer and praise. Is your life that way? Could that be the thing or the things that you are missing to make things begin to work? You see, God will work and God will bless in the life that is genuinely dedicated to both prayer I want to ask Bob and the praise team to come up. As we get ready uh, to close, we want to end with praise, okay? Does that sound good to everybody? I want to share this with you out of Psalm 34. I will bless the Lord at all times. His, his praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul makes its boast in the Lord. Let the humble hear and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me. And let us exalt his name together. Let's all stand and, and do that. Oh, my 
music how past this what a beautiful name it is the name of jesus you didn't want heaven without us so jesus Let's give her all to him this morning. Let's lift her arms up to him, to the heavens. He's so worthy of all the praise. Holy is the Lamb. Give it to him. Death could not hold you. The veil tore before you. You silenced the bones of sin. The heavens are roaring, the praise of your glory, for you are raised to life again. You
Praise God. Give a shout of praise to the King of Kings. Lord of Lords, King Jesus. 